hosted on dimlywit.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Tina. And this is Obsessed with the Best. We're two New York City gals who are bringing you the best of the best of all things beauty, wellness, and inspirational women. We've tried it all and can't wait to tell you what's worth obsessing over. Join us each week as we share our favorite products and trends and chat with leading female founders and experts. Welcome to Obsessed Obsessed with with the Best with with Alex and Tina. Tina. So today we get to sit down with Molly Hager. She is an actress. She's been on Broadway. She's been on TV. She is also a singer and a recording artist. Molly was in the original cast of Broadway's Waitress. She was in the cult off-Broadway hit musical Heathers. And later this summer, watch out for her Apple Plus TV series where she plays Detective Virginia Ryder in Five Days at Memorial. Please welcome my friend, Molly Hager. Molly, hi. I can't believe, I was thinking, I think we've known each other for over 10 years now, which is very wild. That's insane. <laughs> very, very crazy. It makes me feel old. Uh-huh, um, I'm very old. Okay, I want to wind it back, take it right to the beginning. So something that we haven't, I haven't really sat down and talked with you about is you were a child actor. Like I was. You really started your journey into this life acting so what types of things were you were you doing what was that like what are your memories of that time well I grew up in Los Angeles and my mom was and is an actress and my dad um is a retired grip but still you know he's like retired but he still works you know like yeah he, he can't not work um but so I just sort of grew up in that life and I just kind of thought that's what everyone did so I never thought there was another option I was just like, well, I'm an actor. This is what I do. This is who I am. So I grew up going on sets with my parents and I just always knew that I wanted to do that. So I did a lot of summer camps, uh, little, little theater summer camps, star spot, class act, summer camps in the Valley. I also did, it was supposed to be a Disney movie, but then it was not. And it was like a low budge thing, but it was called young hearts unlimited with, um, a, a young Andy Lawrence where um, we played best friends trying to save my dad's gas station and then we fall in love. Um, Yeah, it feels like such a, it feels like another lifetime because I think I was telling you this the other day, Alex, that I forget that I did that because it was a time when I had all the confidence in the world and no idea that you could possibly be bad at something or fail at something. So I just like, I was like, yeah, I'm an actor and I'm in this show and I'm amazing, obviously. And then I got to college and, you know, I stopped acting in middle school and high school, really. And I really stopped acting after elementary school because my mom was like, you you need to be a kid. You can't, you know, be an actress, which I think at the time I I was kind of annoyed about it, but I think that she was probably right in the long run. And so I just sort of was a normal kid, and went to classes and I was in chorus and choir in middle school and high school. You mentioned your mom who mm-hmm. is, she's in soap operas. Like, yes, I she's a soap seen, queen, a soap a star. Soap For those who don't know, Molly's mom is Terry Garber, who was on General Hospital, Dynasty, As the World Turns. I mean, I grew up watching soap operas were a huge part of my my childhood with my mom I love that so I can't imagine living with one of the main (laughs) characters of my favorite shows 
Oh my God. Yeah. How, how did that affect your, your personality, your identity growing up with someone relatively very famous, especially with like a huge fan base in the soap opera world? How did that affect you growing up? Yeah. I mean, it's hard because like I said, it felt so normal to me. Like I just assumed that everyone had the same life. Yeah. So I just always thought that like my, I had the prettiest mom, like my mom was the prettiest one. Um, so I was just really proud to have like the prettiest mom, but you know, like her work didn't really affect me that much. It was just cool that she like was fun and animated and smart and like creative and wanted to play pretend with me all the time. So that's sort of the actress that I knew. I, I mean, the thing that I remember, which is odd one of my earliest memories of her being an actress is people stopping her on the street, thinking that she was Sandra Bullock. Oh, so not That's so much funny. that she was the character yeah. in her shows, thinking that she was another famous person. Yes. But I knew that she was like something that she was a famous actress. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also the thing that's hilarious is I knew that she was big in Germany. Like she was a star in Germany. So she would like go and do German tours, like talk show tours, or I don't even know what that is, but she would like do press yeah, in yeah. Germany. But here, I, I feel like soap stars kind of don't get the like, they don't get, they're not known. They're not as well known. I feel do like you, they, they were like that, like maybe that's because there's not as many on right now. Yeah. No. I mean, no, I, you're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, I remember I, she, she was like, Dynasty was like the big thing, but she stopped when I was born. So that kind of phase of it, I think I wasn't really alive for. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, so now that you're in the business and you're an actress, you're professionally working, are you able to bond with her over these things? Are you going to her for advice on your career? I, you know, because I really have been doing mostly musical theater since becoming an adult, I didn't really ask for her advice. Like I grew up hearing about all of, her, I, I grew up hearing all of her stories. So I like knew them, but yeah, I, I think that it, the industry has shifted so much in so many ways. I think that we are sort of learning at the same time because it sort of became so reliant on technology. I mean, especially now, like I really didn't audition for film and television, which is what my mom did until right before the pandemic started. And it's like exclusively self-tapes for me. I have never had an like a real in-person audition. So I, th I feel like I like help her sometimes with that, like figuring out the like Zoom thing or the self-tape mm -hmm. thing. But no, it, it's fun. Like if I, I, I've booked very few things, but when I booked them to be able to be like, mom, and she's like, I remember when I did this. And so she can sort of like compare our experiences. So that's fun. I relate to this so much because my mom was a super successful model in the eighties. And people ask me the same question of like, can't, do you guys bond? And it's like, yes, we hit at points, but there's so much she can't relate to because she's still friends with her agent from back then. And her agent's like, oh my God, the eighties, I didn't have enough models for all the work. Like every model I had who on my roster was booked every single day and they were making so much money and like she can't relate to like these situations we find ourselves in now or it's like hey do you want to do this social media deal for two hundred dollars you can shoot it yourself do your own hair and makeup and you know and it's how so it's different so, it's so different it's so so different yeah and um, I kind of feel like 
I mean, I don't know if you had this experience, but there was when I turned 18 and like moved to New York, I very much was like, I need to be my own person and I need to like find my own way. So I really, for a long time, sort of tried to separate myself from my mom, like sort of having like those teen sort of tantrums of being like, I'm nothing like my mom. I'm going to find my own way. Um, And now that I'm in my thirties, I'm very much like, you know, I I like relating to her more. (laughs) And I probably, if she had advice for me, I'd be more open to it as opposed to like when I was 20. I don't think I, I think I'd be like, it's fine, mom. Yes. Literal <laughs> same trajectory. Cause my mom is also a makeup artist. And in high school, I was like, well, I'm not wearing makeup and I'm wearing like jeans and Converse and a black t-shirt and no makeup. So like, how about that? Like yeah. take that, you know? And then I was like, I'm not going to be like ugh, modeling and commercials. Like I'm going to be a theater actress, you know, mm-hmm. and then cut to exactly, exactly what you just said. Yeah. Swing back around. Oh, actually we're turning out to have very, very similar career. And I talked to her on the phone a lot about all the things mm-hmm. that we have. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, it's so funny. Um, another thing that our moms have in common is they super successful around the same time. Mm-hmm. And they also have these like naturally, like they're very, very like thin frames. And we grew up different body types. Okay. Different body types, which are so celebrated. Now we see it in pop culture and the media, but all three of us, I think can agree as millennial women, when we were little, it was not okay. It was like, you were thin or you just, you shouldn't even exist. Basically was the messages we were getting. Yes. And like, our moms are amazing and my mom's amazing, but I grew up and I was like, I don't look like you, you know? So how, did you kind of wrestle with that? And how has that journey been kind of from that point to now, which, you know, I feel like you are very, you know, very confident loving yourself now, but that childhood piece was tricky. Is that how I come across? Because yes, you do. So own it. Yeah, you really do. It is 100% a battle. My mom is and was so gorgeous and it was genuinely difficult growing up and for a while, like I said, was so like proud that she was like the hottest mom. And then when I got to high school and like the guys, I like to be like, your mom is so hot. And I'd be like, (laughs) yeah. Um, And then, and then it kind of hurt. And then it was like, because I had, you know, did and still do struggle with body issues and body dysmorphia and like, disordered eating. And it's just, it's difficult to have someone that I compared myself to my whole life. And, you know, she, the, the, the trick or the secret that no one really talks about is like all of these thin, beautiful women, like also have the same issues. They like, my mom was also really had a really difficult time and a really difficult relationship with her body. And I just, my like her version is just the preferred version because like you don't see it as easily you know um so we talk about that in my my family as well my sister and my mom and I just the generational trauma that's passed down from our moms our grandmothers to our mothers it just it goes back so far beyond just what's right in front of us yeah and my mom was always amazing about like my body, like she never, there was no body shaming, nothing like that. But, you know, there are things that we like witness our parents doing that really affect us. Like I remember being in elementary school and watching my mom do like 
the Atkins diet and wanting to do it with her and like weighing myself and being like 75 pounds. I lost a pound. And just like, it's just like so fucked up, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, It's another layer of intensity. I mean, I remember being like, you know, I was a little chubby as a kid. And I remember then it's like seeing my mom in her swimsuit and the same thing, like guys were just like, everyone's looking. It's like, Oh God, I don't, what's wrong with me? Like, I don't look like her. I also remember my mom and I had a fight when we were little, she like, didn't, she was trying to, she'd really, really tried her best to promote like a healthy body image. And so she didn't want me to play with Barbies. Cause she was like, this is not like a good standard of women. This isn't what women should look like. And I was like, ma, this is what you already look like. And you're here all the time. <laughs> but honestly, you're not wrong. <laughs> no. And see on my end of the world, I was, I had a, my size Barbie, Barbie themed birthday parties for like 10 years of my Barbie was that it was like, yeah, we love Barbie. We aspire to be Barbie. No yeah. shame in loving the Barbie. Oh, Barbie was like what we wanted. Oh, oh yeah. Hilarious. I was not allowed. There were none. I was in... Barbie for Halloween more than once. Like I, Barbie was where it was at. Oh my God. Okay. Well, Molly, I'm just getting to know you, but I've heard your name so often in the last few years, especially knowing Alex and, and in my mind, you come across as I hear you as like the, the overnight success, you know, Broadway star, Molly Hager, uh, <laughs> you know, TV show, but we, we all know as, as people in the industry overnight success, that's, that's not how that works. And no. Alex has told me for years, how hard you work, how you're always doing concerts in between gigs. You've got an album, you're hustling, you're working. And you know, one, I think people have an assumption once you book a TV show or once you book a Broadway show, great. You're in, you're set, you've got a job, but it's like, they don't realize that those contracts end. Yeah. Um, no, it's like so hard. It's never, never easy. Right. So it, like, during those uh, in between times, what motivates you? What keeps you driven? How are you staying active in between these huge successes that you're having? I love that you called me a Broadway star. I was in a Broadway show for four years and I was ensemble, which was incredible. Ghost mom, like forever. But um, before that, my other professional gig was Heather's, um, which was an off-Broadway show. It's sort of like a cult hit. It's playing in the West End right now, which I'm like, how do I get over there? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think forever, I just like, I waitressed. I think there's just such a thing in your twenties, especially when you graduate college for me, at least where I'm like, well, this is what you're supposed to be supposed to do. It's supposed to be scrappy. You're supposed to do this. So I was like very much okay with waitressing, doing the concerts, like so many concerts for free, uh, working with NYU grad writing, which was a way that I met so many composers and bless them. But then there were like long periods of time where I wouldn't do anything. And I also didn't really audition much because I think that the industry is shifting for the better, but I don't easily fit into a type. So it was really hard for me to get auditions. I think I maybe auditioned like three to five times a year for years because it's like, well, she is she like the best friend? Like, yeah, I guess, but like she like or is she the ingenue well she doesn't have a voice like an ingenue she's like an alto so she like doesn't really fit in that it's just like it's so weird now everything I feel it feels a little easier to not be put into a box if that makes sense do you agree with that I completely Completely. agree I so relate to that 
But I yeah. want to add that these years, okay, so maybe you're getting three to five auditions a year, but like, these are the years though. I think I moved to New York and met you, but you were always working towards something. You were never not in some sort of concert with a new writer or working with a new writer on some sort of workshop of something or singing something or these things pay nothing, but you're constantly creating this body of work so that when someone searches Molly Hager on YouTube, you have sung with a million new composers and at every cabaret space in New York city. So (laughs) those are the times I think I want to know about of like, what was in the back of your head, kind of like that engine that you weren't just like sitting and chilling in your apartment waiting for your audition. Do you know what I mean? I I kind of didn't know what else to do. I I didn't really know that there was another option. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm still trying to be an actor and the singer is because I kind of don't know what the alternative is. For me, there's no other option. Like I find it so amazing that there are people that are like, well, I'm not working in a show or I'm not singing in these concerts. So I'm going to create my own thing, or I'm going to make a podcast, or I'm going to write a book or write a play, or I just don't have that in me. Like I do, but I'm not drawn to really anything. Like I'm drawn to my couch. (laughs) Um, I'm drawn to my friends. And then I'm like, well, I just can't sit still. You just have to do something. So for a while, it was like only concerts. Uh, It was the only thing that people would have me do. It really was so wonderful for a really long time. And it got me, I think that it really just was an incredible crash course in figuring out what musical theater was becoming and what the future of musical theater was. Because when I started auditioning, like, yes, there was a Dina Menzel and we had Rent and we had Wicked and that stuff, but it was like really not pop, like pop Rocky. Like that I felt like was the beginning of it. And so I remember my first audition for anything outside of school was the untitled Green Day musical, which is American Idiot. And I like, I was like, oh my God, I do have a place in this industry because these are the kinds of musicals that are happening now. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know Tina and I, you know that we love therapy. We honestly don't even know how we would have gotten through the last two years without our weekly therapy sessions. BetterHelp offers easy, affordable, and convenient access to therapy. First of all, you don't even have to do any of the research, which can be the hardest part because they do that work for you. They will literally match you with a therapist in under 48 hours. Second, you don't even have to leave your home because BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat sessions. Honestly, it's always a good time to invest in yourself and in your mental health, so give it a try. And see for yourself why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. We have a special offer just for our obsessed listeners. For 10% off your first month of professional virtual therapy, go to betterhelp.com slash obsessed. That's betterhelp.com slash obsessed. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. 
we are sponsored by Ombre Lab. Are you struggling with bloating, moodiness, constipation, or weight gain, and you just can't figure out why? Well, the answer could literally be in your gut. Your gut contains trillions of bacteria, both good and bad. And when your body doesn't have enough of the good bacteria, the bad bacteria flourishes. When this happens, it can cause all kinds of symptoms. Ombre Labs makes it really easy to check on your gut health by offering an at-home test that can measure your bacteria levels. The test will ship right to your door with easy to follow instructions. And then when you get your results, they'll give you a detailed breakdown of your gut bacteria, let you know what foods to eat more or less of. Plus you can get personalized probiotics to heal your gut with a subscription. I've done the test myself and personally, it was the easiest thing ever. No doctor's appointments, no scheduling when you can get to the office. They send everything right to you and then you just pop it back into the mail and you get your results. So if you want to start feeling better, visit tryombre.com obsessed to get $30 off of your test. That's T-R-Y-O-M-B-R-E dot com slash obsessed for $30 off. Thank you to Ombre Labs for sponsoring this podcast. And you have the coolest just like rock voice for anyone who doesn't follow oh. Molly. You have to follow Molly. Look her up on Thank YouTube. You. Like you're just going to be obsessed with her voice. I said this before you got on, but I'm going to say it now. I've just heard you be referred to as musical theater as Adele. And I agree. Ah, who said so, that? I'll tell you when we get off this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I completely agree. So, okay. Cut to you make your Broadway debut as an original cast member of Waitress on Broadway. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and particularly for people who are just not, don't know a lot about the theater. Can you take us through a day in your life being in a Broadway show? My Broadway debut was one of the most incredible times of my life. It was so much fun. It felt so cool to be involved in a cool musical like it was like a cool musical like Sarah Bareilles wrote it and like all of these really cool people were involved and it just felt like I finally was like I'm a, I'm in the in crowd now like I felt awesome my favorite time of any creation of theater is uh our previews because you get to have uh, rehearsals during the day and then you put something new in at night and you get to see how an audience reacts to it because I love to do the shows, but I also love when it's fresh and you have to like get your brain working and figure out how to make something work. That was always really fun. So up until we we opened, we had rehearsals during the day, shows at night, and then our opening night party was awesome. Um, and then once we start actually running the show and the show is just like happening, that is when I realized I was like, this is so hard. It was so hard. Like, keep in mind, I did this for almost four years. I took a little break in between to do a show in San Francisco, but I was only gone for like two months. I came back and did the show and did Waitress. I think people assume that you're in a Broadway show and you just work from seven to 10. So you have all day to lounge around and do whatever, but it's not that at all right it's not that at all and also like being an ensemble member and an understudy I had to go to understudy rehearsals which were most days I think you could have them god what's hilarious is I feel like I don't remember what my schedule was but really it was like I would have if it if it wasn't a matinee day I would have rehearsal during the day um as an understudy dinner break do the show, go home. I would wake up in the morning and try to go to the gym because I 
felt like it was the only way I could wake my body up. So still working out like every day. Then on the weekends, I would usually, it'd be like a five show weekend. And then if I did have the day off, which are like, if I did have the day off, I would be sleeping or I wouldn't want to leave the house because I would just be so tired. Because that ensemble is busy. That ensemble is... We're busy. I mean, to be fair, it's kind of like the the best ensemble gig because we're busy, but it's like not a dance dance show. Like it's a movement show. So it's not like I'm up there sweating. I'm like, I'm having a breezy old time. It's just that the act of having to go to Midtown and then do a show and put your makeup on and take your makeup off and do all your quick changes and then go leave Midtown. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. Go back to Brooklyn I was like still wired for two or three hours. I wouldn't go to bed until like one, you know, and then wake up the next morning and do it all again. And I just, I feel like I still have not recovered from doing that show, which is sad. It could be the pandemic also that oh, yeah. I'm still tired from, but yeah. For God's sakes, it's it's the pandemic. Yeah, oh, for God's sake, it's the pandemic. Yeah, but that yeah, show like, is not dancing, but it is a lot of repetitive movement and you're pushing yeah. set pieces and you're pushing things and you're, you know, so you're moving repetitively doing the exact same thing pretty much six days of the week, correct? Yes. correct. Every single week for four years. And yeah. so what did you do to keep it fresh when you were like, I don't feel like doing this today? Okay, so here's the thing. This is like, it's such a blessing and such a curse. I am so competitive and every single night, I don't know why, but I'd be like, I'm going to be the one that the audience likes the best. <laughs> and so I just would always like, I'm always going to give you 110%. So I always did. And it always felt I like, yes, it, it could get boring and monotonous, but also I like the cast was so great. We were all such good friends that you just got to like, I mean, we probably fooled around a little too much on stage sometimes, but we just got to hang out and yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was also horrible, but it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Like really, really hard, but really worth it and great. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's amazing. Molly, do you ever get like really nervous or anxious before an audition or like a performance? (laughs) Um, I am actually maybe the worst auditioner of all time, um, in person self tapes have saved me. That's like a lot of people hate them. I love them so much. I don't know what I'll do if we go back to like real in-person. They're the worst. They really are the worst. It just doesn't even matter if I really care about the project or not. My body just immediately knows what it's doing and like, we'll start shaking and I develop like a rash all over my neck and my face. And so I, I'll have to take a beta blocker, but a beta blocker dries me out. So if it's a singing audition, like for instance, like if I had to like audition for Alphaba, I'd be like, well, I can't take the beta blocker. So I'm just going to have to deal with the rash. Oh, and like, could, I had maybe to- you could go with like full green makeup and be like, well, I'm already set. I did like wear like a really high neck thing. I was like, if you see it, it's just like going to be like here. Oh um, my God. These decisions, my, I run just like really, really warm. And part of it has to do with my fluctuating thyroid. But I mm. remember being in an audition for like something on camera in these like tiny, tiny little rooms with like no AC. And I would just get so like warm. Do you know what I mean? And then they're taping you and I'm like, I'm probably like beat red and sweating. Cool. Like didn't book that. What am I, how, what am I supposed to do? Like walk in with an ice pack on my wrist. It's like these issues that no one thinks about. But the thing is, is that like, if 
I feel like the people that book everything are the ones that just have the confidence and they walk in the room and they're like, I, this is my job. And I've never, ever felt that in my life. But if we were those kinds of people, Alex, you would walk in with an ice pack on your wrist and be like, yeah, sorry. But I also yeah, think that there me. are some yeah. people that are like really, really good at auditioning they and, are. and not so great at the other stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that's always true, but I think that is, there is some truth to that, which- Well, it's a skill. It's a yeah. different skill. It is. I agree with you though. The self-tape editing, the constant editing, and you're looking at yourself after, it can be a little unhealthy, just too much time with mm -hmm. yourself. You know what I mean? But- yeah. But I agree with the not worrying about that stuff. Oh, I got caught in the rain and my hair is a mess. I'm sweating. Oh I am breaking out into hives. I forgot my beta blocker. Whatever the yeah, hell my, it my is. Always forgetting my, my beta, beta blocker, always. Well, right. also, I mean, if we did have to go back to in-person, I know that my husband would probably be really happy because he is my, like, reader every time. And he's just like, oh, my God, do we have to do this for, like, five hours today? He's so amazing about it. And he's, like, never complained. But I just, like, can feel it. Right. Just I like, know our poor again. husbands then yeah. the exact same way, just constant. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to take it back to the wonderful time that was March of 2020. Yeah. And you had a very, very specific New York theater experience that I actually use as an example in my life when I was back home in St. Louis, when people didn't understand why New Yorkers needed unemployment. And your example was you were in a show you're about to open and you thought in your head, oh, I am employed for the next few months or however long your contract was. Little did you know it didn't open and instead there was a shutdown. So can you take us back to that week and what that was like for you? Yeah. So I was doing this uh, New York premiere of a new Duncan Cheek show, which I was so excited because I was like the lead and I sang like 16 songs or something like that. And I was like, this is going to be like, maybe this is my break because I had just finished waitress. And I started this like three weeks later, we were in rehearsals and it was the week of our first preview. March 12th, 2020 was our first preview. So no one had seen the show. And I just remember that week, my co-star Samantha Mathis, who's an amazing actress, was like, I'm really scared about this COVID stuff. Like, have you been hearing? I'm like, it's nothing. It's fine. I just fully just was like, it's not here. It's overseas. It's not a big deal. And then I just remember feeling, I don't know if you guys had this too, but like, it just started to get eerie. That week just started to feel weird. And I remember we had rehearsal that morning, March 12th. And I was looking at my phone and saw that Broadway had shut down. And I was like, well, what does this mean for us? And they told us that for theaters that sat under 500 people were fine, that they were still gonna like have the shows. And I was like, okay. So we had our dinner break. I went to the gym next door, which was like a New York sports club. And I was working out and I was like, it was the first time that I had this feeling of like, should I be doing this? I actually don't know if I should be at the gym right now. I don't know if that's safe. I don't know what other people are doing. I just remember everyone sort of kept looking at each other while they were like lifting weights. It was very weird. And then we came back from dinner. They basically told us that we were shut down for two weeks and we'd be back in two weeks. And I immediately started weeping and no one else cried. 
everyone was like, it's fine. We'll be back in two weeks. But I think that I just knew that we weren't, weren't coming back. I just feel like I knew that that was it. I don't know how I knew, but I was just like, this is it because I took all of my stuff out of the dressing room. Everyone else left stuff. And I just took it all. Cause I was like, I don't think that we're coming back. Um, cause it was sort of a short run anyway. So that was a crazy time. Unbelievable. And then what did you do? I mean, what were kind of the first step like that week for you? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like what were your first emotions? I mean, shock really, but I felt like the only way that I could really deal with it, it was like, after I had that initial cry session, like in my dressing room, as I was packing everything up, I kind of was like, well, this is reality. And I just went into like numbness, I think. Yeah. And there was something a little bit comforting because I feel like so much of like depression and is, is like, you feel alone. Like you're the only one going through it. There was just something about that time. That's like, it's everyone. Oh, like, it's everyone. It's I will everyone. say like, the silver lining of COVID was knowing that like no one was like none of us, like none of us in our industry were like doing anything. And I was like, well, I don't have FOMO. I just like, we're all yeah. sitting home. Yeah. Doing yeah. Whatever. Um, exactly. And then it was also crazy because my husband at the time was working at a restaurant and their restaurant shut down the day after. So then both of us were like unemployed in our apartment. Just like yeah. what's happening? Yeah. I was unemployed in our apartment. Same unemployed here. In our that apartment. Week. That's that's a memoir. <laughs> unemployed in our in apartment. Our it's a beautiful song. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be on your next uh, your next on the next album. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. I have to take a break and talk about how much I love Plant People. Plant People makes doctor-formulated CBD and mushroom tinctures, gummies, serums, and lotion that will help you optimize your health. Personally, I'm obsessed with the Sleep Drops and the Soothe Restorative Body Balm. The Sleep Drops are a healthier alternative to melatonin to help you relax and fall asleep without feeling drowsy the next day. And the Soothe Balm is my go-to for sore, tired muscles and my secret weapon for dealing with cramps. So for 15% off your first Plant People order, use code OBSESSED at checkout or tap the Plant People link in the show notes for this episode. To bring the things back to the good stuff, we are so excited because you've, you're starring in a new TV show for Apple Plus. This is humongous. Broadway star and now TV star. I wouldn't say star. That feels... I- heavy i'm gonna say star and i'm We're saying star it. i'm saying star I mean it. yeah so you're playing you're gonna be in the apple plus series five days memorial you're playing detective virginia five days at memorial five days at memorial thank you and it's yeah. based off a book is this correct? yes it's Can actually you- it's actually a true story so the book is um a journalist sherry fink actually did all the research and put it together so it is based on the book but it's based on an actual event and can you tell actual us events. a real, little bit real life event real life real life event true real life story event. can true you story. tell us a little bit about what the show's about and and what you do with it sure so the show actually takes place during hurricane katrina and what happened was there was this hospital memorial hospital and you know when the hurricane hit everyone was trapped you obviously i'm sure remember the absolute chaos and catastrophe that that was and like everything that happened in new orleans Um, So at Memorial Hospital, a bunch of patients and doctors and, you know, just neighborhood people came to seek shelter in this hospital and they lost power, you know, electricity. They had food, but 
people kind of lost their minds and they were stuck there for five days. That's the title, Five Days of Memorial. Oh, um, got it, got it. So they were stuck for five days um, and no one knew if they were going to be rescued because there was just no one helping anybody and there was no way to communicate with anyone. And people thought that they were going to die there. And there uh, was a doctor, Dr. Poe, played by uh, the wonderful, beautiful Vera Farmiga. And her character, this real life person, Dr. Poe, um, actually euthanized a bunch of patients. Oh my God. Um, which is crazy. And it's, it's really, I'm really interested to see how people react to this because it really, you kind of don't know what side to choose hmm. for a lot of reasons. I have my reasons as to like why I think she is a murderer. Um, but a lot of people fully defend her because they're like, you actually can't, it's almost like, like wartime. So like the sort of the rules are out. So right. you have grown up since you were little doing predominantly theater and then you're in this kind of major TV drama. Right. What were some of you, what was your experience like as your, it was kind of a hefty role on camera, different yeah. acting style, different experience being on a set. What were some things you loved? What were some things that were challenging and new? I played detective Virginia Ryder. She's a forensic accountant and she is investigating the case that everything that happens at Memorial. So the first five episodes take place at Memorial Hospital. The last three are the investigation. So those are mine and my partner, Michael Gaston's um, episodes. And um, it was the most incredible time of my life, but also it was so scary. <laughs> It was so terrifying. And I, like I said earlier, I like forget that I ever acted as a kid or ever did this because I just feel like such a different person. And I was like, I actually don't know how to have a conversation on camera. I don't know what to do with my body. Like, I don't know how to, I, I know how to do a really good self tape now because I'm so practiced. And with this, I like, I just felt like I had no idea what I was doing. So that was really scary for me. But being on set, because I grew up on them, just felt really familiar and comfortable. And so that was really great. And I had that on my side and I was surrounded by such incredible people and Carlton Cuse and John Ridley, who are the writers and showrunners, they're just the absolute best. And everyone was very welcoming. It was sort of like a little family and we got to travel, which was so fun. We like the first leg of it for us was in Toronto and the second leg was in New Orleans. And it was just so fun to have to live in other places. And also so fun to be appreciated and to like, you know, the thing about theater, it's amazing, but I feel like you're sort of all in the trenches together, which is why you have these like such close bonds. But like with film and television, there's so much money behind it that they just kind of can throw it at you a little bit in ways. So like, they'd be like, oh, you have to go to fitting. We'll have someone pick you up. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> you mean to pick me up? Yeah, these little yeah. ways like, in theater, it's like, I mean, I'm not like going into my own pocket to pay yes. for what I'm wearing and how I'm getting there and yeah, so I'd all be my like, food. Oh, I, I forgot like to wear the right bra. And they'd be like, oh, we'll go get you on, don't worry. And I'm like, wait, well, what? yeah, it was just yeah. like, it was so amazing to feel special right. which is such a weird thing to say but that was so fun well, I think to feel so cool valued you yes. know to feel valued and going back to what you said about the acting styles for people who are listening who are in this business 
it's very, very different being in a musical and then being on camera. And it's a whole different experience. And we have one of the same acting teachers and he was just saying to me or saying to my class about like, you leave, get off a stage doing a theater performance, a live performance. You feel like adrenaline pumping. Like you just ran a marathon. Maybe you're like sweating and that's, that's how, you know, you like did a good job. You like feel it in your body. It's like you ran a marathon, but on camera, you maybe shouldn't feel that way afterwards because you should just be sitting down, having a calm conversation without moving your entire body. Maybe you're just moving your eyes and it's, it's a big adjustment. Yes. It's really crazy. And I, I'm sure that other people experience this, but I don't think a lot of people talk about it because I think that part of the game is you're supposed to have all this confidence, right? So you're like, yeah, I'm like incredible at this, but I don't know um, how to be other than like, like maybe too transparent. Like I had the best time, but I would go home every night and be like, I feel like that was really bad. I feel like it couldn't have been good. Like I, I just like, and people will be like, no, that was great. That was great. We're we'll, we'll just moving on. Like, but I just, I, I am someone that like, I do need validation, but more than that, I just love direction and I love being criticized. And I love like someone telling me what they want. Cause I can give you what you want, but like, I still am struggling with finding just like making a choice myself. It sounds like going back to how you said you're really competitive. You like to win. You want to be yes. have a challenge that you figure out and you get. I mean, that makes total sense. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I'd never even put that together. You're my new therapist. Oh I my god. You're, thank you. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> great. Um, um, okay. So- yeah, but it's like it's really hard because you're just. I just wanted so badly for someone to just be like, do it like this. Mm-hmm. But they, a lot of times, they just like don't, and they're just like no, that was great. And I'm like, but I actually didn't make a choice. I actually was just like saying the lines, but I don't know. I was, I didn't feel connected. And like, that's the other thing is like, you don't have to feel connected. They're like going to edit it together. Well, and you have somebody else looking at this huge, big picture and trying to fit all the moving pieces and you're very specific and in your mind, but that's what the director is there for. And they're, they've got all these moving parts and they might've gotten what they needed. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is like, as, as, as special and valued as they make you feel, you're also just like such a small part in the whole thing. So like, they're like, we're moving on. And you're like, wait, wait, what? And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. And then they're like doing this whole other thing. And you're like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it was a really wild thing. It's so exciting. Okay. So before we, um, have our guests on our show we like to open it up to our listeners for any questions they might have and we actually had someone write in um asking specifically wow. for your skincare routine and i'm looking at your skin right now and it's gorgeous you're so nice well <laughs> i'm <laughs> i have so many products i like almost want to go into my bathroom and just like bring- i'm actually kind of glad to hear this because i'm like I, i'm hoping, hoping you're not just like oh i just splash water on my face and i have no i'm not a boy like <laughs> i wish no i have so many products but what i did is there's this thing called haldi.com where you can enter in all of the products that you are already using your concerns everything like that and then in like three days they send you like a personalized regimen and it really, my skin changed in a week. It was this the crazy Hald- Haldi? Haldi? Yeah, H-A-L-D-I.com. Okay. I mean, I was thinking about you, Tina, because Molly, you showed me the before and the after photos. It's crazy. 
it's unbelievable. And it's not like their brand. Like they say, oh, you were using this and this. It has parabens. It has I literally want to go get it for you. I want to show you all of my things. Go get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Tell us about your faves. First, we have this Askia cream cleanser. Nice. Oh, love. Then we have this hydrating accelerator. I don't know why, but I do that. And then I'm supposed to follow up with this hydration boost concentrate. Amazing. It's a serum. It's, it's, it's a serum, but it literally feels like water. I feel like it's a lie, but it's fine. I'm doing right. it. Then depending on whether or not it's daytime or nighttime, I have a vitamin C and I have my prescription Onextin for my pimples because I'm very prone to breakouts. Are you? Oh. Yes. Very prone. You're doing then, a great job because I never great. see a breakout. Thank you. So well, I have like a couple. It's fine. A chin. Oh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It, it's getting better. Then yeah. I have this moisture cream from beauty RX. Ooh. Then I put on an SPF obviously, but if it's at night, I have this liquid gold midnight reboot serum. That's like a glycolic acid thing that has changed my life. I use it every other day. And then I nice. finish up with this oil. Mara, Mara is such a great brand. It's so, which one is that by Mara? <laughs> it's the universal face oil, the oh, algae yes. and Moringa. You're I feel like you guys know about this. You guys are so good about products and skin. Like yeah, uh-huh. but this, but say the website again, because people are going to want to know and look this up. Haldi.com. H-A-L-D-I.com. I want to go do that. put my name in if you want, and it'll give me money. Yeah. Oh, you guys go to Haldi.com and put in, well, it's just your name. What do they have to put in? Yeah. They just, if someone referred you. Yeah. Tell them that Molly Hager yes. referred you. I mean, honestly, your before and after photos are crazy. Thank you. Um, Okay, before we let you go, we have a few just like fun rappers. Don't let me go. Don't Don't let me go. go. We don't want to let you go. Um, We have a few just like fun rapid fire questions. Just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Who is the woman who's most inspiring you right now in this moment? You. Oh my God. Well, that (laughs) was That's a good one. We've never had that one. That's good. That's actually We've never had that. Uh, What's the best thing that you're either reading or watching right now? Things that I'm watching, I really loved Severance. Um, well, Alex is so on good. it. Can I say that? Can I say yeah. that out loud? Oh, yeah. I had a voice. Oh, I know. I had a voice okay, good, good, good. <laughs> oh, I know you're on it. And then the other thing, the other one that I really loved recently is Pam and Tommy, which. Oh, my God. So we could not get over Pam and Tommy. Can't get over it. I we'll never get, get over, over the acting. We'll never get over it. Never. And the tone. It's so good. I don't understand how they like perfectly straddled the line of like winking, but also like fully being those people. It's Mm -hmm. so good. It is. And it's, it's glitzy, but gritty. It's like really, they capture like kind of the rough and tumble, but also the sincerity that it it, it was everything. It was everything. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's so good. Um, what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received. I'm going to go back to acting because whatever. Um, the best advice I've ever received is to enter a room when you have in-person auditions to enter the room, like they're throwing you a party. I love that. So that's actually what I, it, it kind of calms me because you're just like, Oh my God. Hi. <laughs> I love so nice to see you. That's so great because it goes a layer beyond confidence because you're also entering with gratitude yes. that, cause it makes you feel, Oh, I'm so thankful to be here. Yeah. I Instead of I'm that. so nervous to be here and I'm hot. Like, yes. I, Oh, this is so nice. And, I can't and also, 
This is incredible. I love, and, and you're <laughs> not making you. yourself, you're not making yourself small of like, thank, sorry. Thank you for how it's like, oh my God, you're here to celebrate me. This is great. Yes. Yeah. I, that's some good advice. That's a really good one. I don't remember who told me I would give them credit. But it's great. It's great. Molly, where can we follow you and find you and keep up with everything that you're up to? I share way too much on my Instagram, which is at Hager Molly. Um, and I think that my Twitter is yes, Molly Hager, but I kind of just use that for news. I don't really tweet that much. Great. And when does the Apple plus show come out? Yes. I believe August. August. Perfect. We can't wait. Yay. We cannot wait. Molly, you're amazing. Thank you for being just so honest and open to sharing. We love you. Thank Thanks you for having me on. I love you here, both. I'm so happy to finally meet you, Tina. So happy to finally meet you too, Molly. Bye. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more content, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Patreon, and give us a follow at Obsessed with the Best Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Hosted on dimlywit.com.